to the ETPHC team podcast episode number 55 sounds like someone's having a party all of a sudden as soon as I press record there um don't worry I know I know it's you um, <laughs> welcome <laughs> it's fine it'll be absolutely fine maybe um yeah it'll be absolutely fine just sounds like someone's having a good time um with myself obviously Anna hi Anna how are you hello I am well thank you how are you I am good, thank you. Steph is here. Hi, Steph, how are you? Good, I'm excited to be here. Excellent, we're very excited to have you. Thank you. And also, you look very glam too. So Anna last week wore makeup for... <laughs> I know, and now I'm like straight back to troll just for you because I wasn't <laughs> expecting anyone else. To no troll. one gave me... <laughs> you no one gave me the heads up. You sorry. could never look like that. You're <laughs> just one of those annoying people that looks very oh, nice me. all the time. Trust me, you're so very mistaken. <laughs> Agreed. She's she is a troll, absolute troll. Um, we are very excited to have you. So you've got some questions from your clients, but also it's just nice to have you on. Is anyone is anything exciting happened this week? Do you know what, guys? I finally have a date for my house. Oh, that's oh. not hard. When is it? Next Wednesday. I cannot wait. That's so hard. excited. I mean, I'm still going to be living out of boxes because I haven't bought any furniture and apparently it's like a four month wait to get anything so but you'll be in your house yes I can't wait that is like good. a real adult ish are you <laughs> like living on your own or are you living with other people yeah yep own house lovely that's nice, nice isn't it <laughs> yeah not at all scary it's fine <laughs> real adult <laughs> yeah i've actually got absolutely no news whatsoever so i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna try and entertain people um i do want to say though that i've got some speaking events coming up that i think people might want to come to if people are in scotland there's a there's an event that i shared the details of recently and i'll share them again so just keep an eye on my instagram because i can't remember the exact link um but that's there's a, an, a two-day event that me and emma are speaking at um the, the beginning of september and that will be really good that's predominantly for coaches um and then there's another event ifs which is at the end of august which is going to be really fun I think and I've been speaking to some of the people that are talking and the direction of the talks that are the talks are going to go is actually really really interesting um so if you're debating I if you were debating IFS before I think that, that I would recommend if anyone's listening to this is not just for coaches Saturday's like more like a fitness event and fun and a big night out and then Sunday is more of the business event so that is just a side note because I think that these ones are going to be really awesome this year so what just... date is it in August because it's my birthday at the end of August so oh it might I'll oh. check my uh, diary it might actually be your birthday weekend I'm going to be honest oh is it um is literally yeah. last day of August so. oh I think it probably is it is yeah, treat myself and go <laughs> yeah come bank I holiday love. weekend yeah yeah figures <laughs> figures rock and roll I'm there <laughs> I mean Saturday will be a good party to be fair yeah no I actually believe that I'm, I'm there <laughs> <laughs> Steph and a drink oh yeah <laughs> I know and to be honest it'll be the first time that so many people have met up kind of especially within fitness everyone's so far away this is going to be the first event in what two years that everyone from far away has come together so I think it will be um really good um Anyway, that was a that was a bit of a side note. Um, let's get cracking with the questions. Steph, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So I've got two questions. My first one um, 
I actually really enjoyed this question. How to stop seeking validation from external things? It's a good question. It's a good one. It's a good question. <laughs> when, a good I say, one. Yeah, when I say it means I'm just thinking ahead of what I'm like, quite a lot to unpack there. Yeah, um, there really is. I think, I think often that comes from needing acceptance, right? And we think that people giving us validation is a means of getting acceptance and really when we're trying to find acceptance it's not about trying to find often we try and find acceptance from other people but until we complete it sounds really cliche but until we accept ourselves as who we are we're never going to get that and if we can if we can't accept ourselves who we are and we keep trying to find acceptance from other people we're going to keep relying on external validation to give us that acceptance so rather than changing the way you respond to other people is more about looking at why am I craving this acceptance why do I need this validation that's probably because I don't feel enough as I am and so then it comes back to doing that internal work mm-hmm. on the flip side of that and this is something we've talked about a few times before in a different sense but this idea of how do we stop people commenting on our bodies or judging our bodies a lot of the time it's because we do this to other people and I saw a post by if some nobody follows the millennial therapist on Instagram I highly recommend um that account but she had shared something recently about all of the different ways that we can compliment someone away from the way that they look and I think actually getting into that habit yourself because often we judge people or we expect validation or we look for validation because we do the same we validate other people by often the for example the way that they look so really looking at the way that you approach other people and do you approach other people in a way to think I need to compliment them to make them feel good do I need to like so often we think when I meet someone I'm just going to say something nice to them because then they're going to like me mm. and it's like try and get out of the habit yes you can absolutely compliment someone if someone if it's a genuine compliment about their energy or about the way that they make you feel but try and get out of this idea that in order to connect with someone it needs to come from compliments or validation or indeed potentially judgment if we're looking at it on the other side I think um it's a really hard one to get out of right especially when it comes to bodies because we are in our 20s and 30s and we've spent sorry there's a siren outside we've spent 15 to 20 to 30 years seeking that validation and being told that we need it because every day we go online and, and it's validating each other's bodies or not validating if we're going on to daily mail or whatever tabloid it is where they are literally saying this person needs our validation and we're going to write an article on it every single day so look at what you're exposing yourself to as well yeah I was going to say that I think it's important to understand why you're seeking it in the first place but I think like you said it comes from childhood as well and like high school it's like that status thing like that school ground sort of mentality of like who's popular and I think that kind of fuels as well work environments and I think you know we're seeking you know like external validation isn't necessarily bad it's just when you solely base your worth on that then that can be quite damaging because that's obviously when you start to look at things that you can't control because you're basing your self-worth on something external so then you go right how do I make myself feel better or regain that control again and I guess that kind of comes back to you know bad relationships with food and things like that but I think viewing it not judging yourself like you know, looking at yourself and going and understanding why you're seeking it, but viewing it in a neutral way as well. 
yeah absolutely. instead of attacking yourself further and being like oh it's because I'm jealous or I'm because I'm bitter about myself and, and oh yeah or, you know don't want to go down that road <laughs> yeah exactly that and that's definitely that you're totally bang on the money there like that it's not a criticism by any means it's the way that we've been brought up and it's the way that society has pushed it on us mm. but when we open ourselves up to seeking validation what we do is we open ourselves up to seeking to allow in judgments because we can't say I'm only going to take the compliments and not take the shit because we are, it, we evidently say well what you say matters regardless and so you just open yourself up to so much more yeah I think as well aligning what we always talk about with clients like really aligning with your core values because really I th- I find it quite interesting that we always talk about it because really if we if we did that naturally we wouldn't have to seek you know validation because surely we wouldn't seek approval so I think it comes back to values again so much that I think that sometimes when I think about like if I ask my friend's advice on something I say do you think I should say do you think I should do this so for example a conference that I was was or was not going to talk at earlier in the year and I said what do you think about this and she said oops sorry and she said well it's a, what like what what does it mean to you to do it and what does it mean not to do it it's not about whether I think you should do it or not and it's as soon as you start to feel uncertain about something and you seek validation it means that you're not really quite aligned with what's important for you that's such a good point always comes back to values doesn't it (laughs) always like when you're dieting when yeah always always um great question um anna have you got a question oh many (laughs) where to start uh okay once you tackle the eating side of things Once you tackle the eating side of things, how can you get through the body image side of things? I haven't been focusing on fat loss uh, at the moment, which has been amazing, but I'm having a difficult week body image wise. Is this normal? And what would you suggest to help? Yeah, because so you, you can have, you can struggle with your body image and have a good relationship with food and you can have a poor relationship with food but have a decent body image it's just not that common because they are very much associated and there is an increased risk of disordered eating with lower body image so they usually come hand in hand but not it's not exclusive but I think the the point is here is that if we look at what body image is and it's a collection of thoughts and beliefs and feelings about our body it's not our body what's what I would potentially look at here is what's happened to your mood this week it's got nothing to do with your food but actually are you having a crap week are you like have you been fighting with someone don't mean physically unless you're maybe Scottish I mean are you (laughs) um you know what's actually going on for you because we know that your mood fluctuates really according your body image fluctuates according to your mood and so if you're having a low body image week, it probably means your mood is low. So you tackle that by looking at, you might want to tackle it in terms of like maybe reducing your body checking um, treating your body well, treating your body with respect. And here, one of the core contracts of body image is body image flexibility, where you say, I recognize that I don't feel great this week, but I'm going to put on some comfortable clothes and get on with my life and not let it affect me this is a really good time to practice that and that is um, conducive to an overall more positive body image so that's a really good thing to try and practice here so notice it I'm not saying just say just suppress it notice it and name it and say I, I, I'm feeling not confident about my body today that's okay like we all have days like that just normalize it and say 
but that doesn't have that doesn't have to impact the rest of my life and go about that um but the other side of that is what is going on for you do some journaling do some writing do some go for a walk and think about well what is my mood this week do I have PMS or am I stressed about work or am I sleeping or try and identify that and then focus on changing that as opposed to changing your body yeah completely agree in and I think that's what we said in checking is just to kind of assess what's going on look at mood because like you said when you're not feeling great you tend to feel bigger in your body and less satisfied with your looks um and also looking at really focusing on those body appreciations taking the focus away from aesthetics Mm -hmm. um okay next question i'm gonna crack on um Okay, would it be possible to chat about embracing exercise for a longer period um, outside of the gym, i.e. more than a few days, enjoying movement on holiday and how to get out of thinking you need a gym to maintain physical health or goals? Anyone? I mean, what does she mean? not going to the gym to basically maintain fitness so yeah so yeah. this person is super active in day-to-day life um, okay. and she loves movement and stuff she does loads of garden and crazy things um but how to embrace but she feels more that not doing her p- specific training program how to get out of the mindset of needing to do that for her body even though she's doing all this other stuff that's nourishing her body in terms of movement I think it's quite a nice place to be to know that you're quite active, you enjoy movement, for example. But I do think, I, I'm a, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite. I think I'm a big advocate of, you know, doing things that you enjoy. But I also do believe that we do need an element of weight training and strength training because of our, that's not anything to do with aesthetics or anything, but that is genuine health. Um, so I, I am someone that, but, you know, you, you don't have to do that in a gym setting. You can't, I've got a lot of clients that, train at home um, and obviously in the summer months in the garden but yeah I think I don't know it depends I guess on your what you like to do Uh, I personally would still weight train whether that's in a gym setting or not but yeah yeah I agree I think I think in this case so she obviously loves training but like actual access is just not possible but what you've just said in that you're resistance training a lot of time if you're gardening you're basically resistance training functional yeah exactly you're not like doing specific lifting movements but maybe you are maybe you're deadlifting a lot I don't really know (laughs) but your body doesn't know like this is the classic Luke Hoffman statement I think that I've put on Luke before and if it's not him I feel quite bad but he said I think like your body doesn't know what it's lifting Mm. so I think that can be quite helpful and I also think keeping in mind Emma and I were talking about this research other day on EIQ and I've seen it banded about so she must have been talking about it with someone else um this study that was done in I think it was Norwegian rowers and they took them out of training and they gave them 20% of their overall training volume and they maintained their muscle mass. So it's it's not going to impact your muscle mass to be out of training. We know this from last year, to be out of training for a couple of weeks, it's not going to make any difference to your muscle mass whatsoever. As long as you are, you know, still walking around and still having some protein day to day, it's going to be absolutely fine. And I think then it comes down to like not equating training to, to calories and really moving out of that mindset because 
again people people I think really overestimate how many calories you burn when you're training yeah pet peeve is like my watch said this I'm like oh no please don't tell me about the watch yeah. <laughs> it's lying <laughs> it's not the truth <laughs> yeah someone asked me that on my story today actually and, it was, and a, the study that I shared was something like the energy expenditure is 40 percent up to 40 percent varied from what it actually is yeah, I saw that yeah. which is huge if you think see it yeah. says you burn 200 calories let me just work this out that's 40 either way so it could be 200 calories in a session it could be 160 is that right yeah or 240 yeah that is right isn't it yeah no that's that's Anna's, Anna's 80 Right, there we go. I'll go with Anna. Yeah. I'll go with Anna too. <laughs> okay, so that's 120 to 280 calories. And you're like, well, it's definitely 200. So I need to eat back 200 calories. It's just so unhealthy. It's just a bad mentality to be in because if you're working out to burn calories, like you're going to stop at some point. So I think if you think about like body functionality and, and you're doing it for long-term health then you're probably always going to have a very positive relationship with working out I think when you put it down to how much you sweat how many calories you burn then that's not going to have a long lifeline I don't think you're totally right and again like you've just hit the nail on the head exercising for functional or health reasons are is, is associated with a more positive body image than exercising for aesthetics so it's really trying to challenge that narrative and get out of that idea which is very 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 hard as women when we're it really is you know the way that we look <laughs> yeah. is the important thing. but also when women's fitness is targeted to the way that we look it's very hard to then say oh well, that's not what what i'm exercising for but that's a whole other a whole other <laughs> kettle of fish um <laughs> steph's question oh yes um so i had a question when i'm having a week where i'm feeling hungrier um during my cycle should i have more volume foods or look more for foods that i know will satisfy me slash know that i enjoy good question actually mm. um both really i mean it depends if you're dieting i don't know she's dieting right so you've got a couple of options if you're dieting you could just add in a lot more volume and take the deficit if you can do if you've got a decent relationship with food and you can do that then then that's absolutely fine to just add some like more volume in but if you are really insatiable which sometimes that happens volume is probably not going to make that much difference so allow yourself to come up out of the deficit for that week if you need to and um, with more satisfying foods and also if you're craving so Emma and I have a bit of a not a debate we've had a discussion about this before because I say if you're craving when you've got PMS allow yourself a couple of squares of chocolate and move on and battle the craving because if you if you eat it um, mindfully then it does manage your craving whereas Emma says two squares of chocolate is never going to cure my craving so I just don't have any at all because I know that it's not going to be enough anyway so it's a very 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 different mentality to it I'm each to their own right I think most of us are more here on the side of allow yourself it on the basis of unconditional permission to eat but yeah i think if you're dieting and you want to just go with volume do it but if it's ridiculous then just just eat more calories and eat more satisfying foods yeah i find that when i'm at restaurants i'm like if i actually go with something that i really want to do which is what i do now and i never used to do that actually mm -hmm. but i don't tend to snack in the evening because obviously i'm satisfied so actually you could argue that if you pick sometimes a satisfying potentially more calorie dense option then you might not 
you know, have a secondary snack in the PM. So, you know, if in the case of if you're dieting, then actually you, you might be fine with calories if you still do pick something a bit more satisfying. Yeah. Also such a good point. Yeah, <laughs> we've got nothing to add there. Nothing to add. Nothing to add. <laughs> um, Anna, have you got a question? Yeah, I meant to ask this last week. Um, and I'm not sure, Steph, I've got no idea if you've got any experience with this. And I can't remember, Amelia, if you've done one or I know you did like a ninja thing ages ago. <laughs> this is training related. <laughs> any <laughs> advice? <laughs> any advice or tips for a tough mudder? Doing one in August. Ah, excellent. Okay. What are you doing, please? <laughs> <laughs> but I did one a few years ago. I mean, I think just general, because it's not like, it's not, it is challenging, but it's, it's more of a team thing. I think you can still run it solo or in a, you know, two thing, two part, whatever. But I think as long as you're keeping, you know, fairly fit, lifting some weights, like I don't, I don't think overcomplicate it. I personally wouldn't, because then you're just going to build it up and not probably enjoy the, the event. I think it's more fun. It's not, I don't know, maybe that's the way I looked at it, but maybe they're quite competitive. I'm not sure what person they are. Maybe they want to win. I don't know. Actually, I don't think you can win it. I don't really know what the prize is, actually. I don't know why I'm doing it again. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> you are not. I, I did Spartan once, but I don't think I don't think I would do it again. Maybe I would. Weirdly, this morning, you know, when Instagram gives you your, like, your however many years ago, mine came up five years ago, and it was me, a selfie of me, obviously, um, at Total Ninja in in Manchester is it Manchester that's what I was thinking of yeah that's so weird that came up today um so I went to Total Ninja in Manchester more more for fun but it was just before we did the Spartan so I was like well this is good training for us to try something yeah. How is the Spartan? That looks hardcore. You know what? This is quite funny. He'll never listen to this, so this is fine. So I did it with my ex. They asked us to do it kind of as a team. And so we didn't train for it. It was kind of last minute. And we just finished competing for that season. So we weren't totally recovered. Anyway, we went and we did it. And because I had just finished competing and I'd eaten tons, I was relatively strong for my body weight at that point. So I didn't find it too bad. But my partner at the time was a is a bodybuilder and halfway round, he just threw a strop and he sat on the floor and he was like because I literally said to him do you want you have to carry some bags on your shoulder and women have to carry one and men have to carry two and he was getting really pissed off and I said do you want me to carry your other one and <laughs> I did. it was awesome. casual shade do you want me to do it for you honestly he did not I mean in hindsight maybe that was an absolute ego blow maybe it was intentional who knows um so yeah that wasn't that wasn't great that wasn't great I would say training wise like you said Steph ju just enjoy it just go into it thinking you are literally just doing it for fun don't go yeah. bubbles to the wall when you start because halfway around if you're lugging something up a hill you don't want to be shaken and knackered I would just like we did we just took our time and just enjoyed it enjoy it yeah it's a day thing isn't it really so just have have fun I'd say that's my advice anyway yeah yeah she has absolutely nothing to worry about she's a crossfitter so oh. I mean if if anybody's yeah. gonna smash it <laughs> she'll smash it yeah I had to I had to be honest with her and I was like you wouldn't catch me doing one anytime so I can't, can't the worst advise. part about it is that ice bucket did has anyone done that before where you slide you go down a slide and go into like a, a literally a human-sized bucket of ice and you have to go under again to get out mm -hmm. that is probably the worst part I 
I mean, I don't know if COVID has restricted anything, but I assume that will still be in the race. But for me, that was, but you can actually skip some of the obstacles. So if, oh. you, know, you don't have to do everything. I think this is the issue, right? This CrossFitter is a CrossFitter. So I bet she's competitive. So she's like, no, I really want to do well. Whereas me and Yusuf, we're just like, just nah. have a good time. It's all good. <laughs> I'm here for the snacks. <laughs> oh, they do have good snacks. Yeah. Spartan had, Spartan didn't have an ice bucket, but it had a, when you start, you go under the water in like a pool of water, basically. I think it was like a mud lake, lakey thing. And so you had to keep going under. That's horrific. That's the worst part. But right at the start, yeah. you just think, now I'm drenched for the whole thing yeah it's quite cruel they must do it for like a psychological effect yeah. maybe i don't know yeah but you have fun person mm. to be this and let us know how you get on and yeah you're probably gonna do better than me stiff <laughs> hey <laughs> no offense no it's true <laughs> uh, we just have the best life and i'm sure you will again we do. <laughs> um okay you guys have talked a lot already on the podcast about setting boundaries for yourself. And I feel like I worked hard on that. One thing that remains for me though, was in a group setting, e.g. an admittedly really challenging hike. Others are saying, gosh, you're doing really well. You must be really proud of yourself. I felt that this was obviously really well-meaning and coming from a compassionate place, but it made me feel like I was someone who didn't look capable of getting up there when actually I was loving pushing myself. I thanked them in the moment as it was clearly meant as a compliment, but it upset me that people were looking at me with that perception. I'm still reflecting on what I do in the same situation as I do also care that the other person might be upset by something I could have just let go. Do you think there's a line between setting your boundary and just being rude? Oh, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. I think if you're asking the question, you're probably not rude. I would say, I mean, I know obviously no, she is, and I know that she's definitely not. Um, but I think that's the first thing. If you're if you're even having these conversations with yourself in your head that thinks, is that rude or is that a boundary? It's probably not rude. It's probably just that yeah. we're so conditioned to be nice all the time and put that above everything else. And this is why it's so difficult for us to set boundaries. So I would generally make that blanket statement, to be honest. If you're having that thought, then you're probably fine. I've had that. Um, where I've been quite direct with a point and someone told me <laughs> maybe I am quite feisty maybe but like I was coming across slightly aggressive and I was like it really got to me because I was like, I'm actually I'm not but I think sometimes when you assert yourself and I think if you are conditioned to be like oh yes and you know filter out your opinions then I guess when you start to act like we've, we've been saying in line with your sort of values and and what you believe in then it can catch people off guard and you probably do come across as quite direct and potentially they view it as something else but like you say if you're questioning it yourself I doubt you're a very rude person I think you probably an overthinker <laughs> yeah possibly so it's funny actually that you got like they called you aggressive because that is that is proper patriarchal patriarchy 101 came from a man well of course well. <laughs> sorry <go>. naughty <laughs> true it's true yeah um yeah i think also by the way in that specific situation that's a quite a tough situation because there's a couple of things there in that you've told yourself a story that they mean it you look like you're doing well because you don't look like you should be doing well like that's a story that you've told yourself and I think in any of these situations it's a really good idea to say is this true like again is this factor is this feeling but is this a true thought or is this something that I'm telling myself because of my insecurities about the way that I feel 
and I, and I'm not saying that you're not right in the situation I don't know I wasn't there but you don't know that you're right and one of the things that we do when we reframe things or as part of CBT is this idea of this is what you've told yourself it is but what else could it be and make and kind of run through all of these other lists and say well why am I choosing to believe it was this when actually it could have been all of these other factors so I think having that conversation with yourself in those situations can be really helpful but I, I also think in that situation like it, you can open it up for that dialogue and be like that's really interesting is it would you be surprised that I was doing well and you can say it in a really kind way and say I know this sounds really odd but the story that I'm telling myself is this and and if someone feels embarrassed by it that's that's on them because that's what they meant and although you don't want to cause conflict it it you don't necessarily have to be this person, but it's good for them to reflect and say, oh, actually, do you know what? That's probably right. And that was wrong of me because we're all still learning, especially, I don't know how old these people were, but especially people in the older generations, they're still learning more than we are. And then they're a bit behind a lot of people um, are a bit behind if they're not in fitness and, and wellness in this idea of what weight stigma is and judging health on the way that we look, we're a lot more, attuned to it now but older people who are not in this space are not or a lot of people are not so I think um it's nice for people to learn but you don't have to necessarily put yourself in the firing line to teach someone a lesson so to speak I probably wouldn't personally just because I would rather reframe it and try and work my way through it that way but it's personal preference um 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 what is meant by metabolic benefits of exercise does that just relate to speeding up your metabolism or is it something else i i don't i don't know what that means in the context that it's given in that exercise doesn't speed up your metabolism um obviously you have an increase in energy expenditure while you train um, and you get like the very most minuscule kind of post-exercise um, slight elevation in oxygen consumption so slight elevation in your BMR but it's minimal um, that would I don't know what I don't know does anyone have an idea what that is does she mean like in the terms of like weight training and the like you say the, the after effect of potentially resistance training and hit rather than steady state cardio or maybe i don't know don't maybe know. or there's also no i was gonna say i also wonder so obviously there's in the past i think people have stopped or realized that it's it's not a thing anymore in that exercise increases your metabolism mm. like everybody that used to be a thing didn't it um and so yeah whether whether there's some of that it, just misunderstanding misinformation yeah maybe I think it could also be when we're talking about weight training and we've spoken about this before that one of the potential contributors to weight training although like muscle adaptation although we're thinking slightly less now in terms of what we know from the emerging research is the metabolic effects of weight training and so that's like that's to do with like metabolic byproducts so the byproducts that are produced when we um contract our muscles so like this on a cellular level what's actually going on so you know we have a state of hypoxia for example low oxygen for example and the kind of what's going on at a cellular metabolism level that contributes to muscle hypertrophy it could potentially be that 
but I don't know the context, obviously, that that's been asked in. So I feel like I'm not quite sure. Hopefully it's one of those things. Also, it could also be somebody trying to sound really clever on Instagram. The metabolic effects of exercise when we don't know. <laughs> they don't know what it is. I've seen a few of them. <laughs> um, okay. Are there any tips for sitting with emotions? I could feel it under the surface. So finally stopped all distractions and the emotions were there. I sat in a ball crying and trying to hug myself for at least 30 minutes, but there was no real change. It didn't make things worse, but it didn't feel like it made things better. I didn't feel I knew what to do or what to do next. Is it just a case of sit and cry when you're sad? Failure, friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think if you haven't, go back and listen to last week's uh, podcast when we talked about grief tunnel and kind of just giving yourself that time, maybe each day to sit with it, feel it. Um, But yeah, put a time limit on it. So then it's not taking away from the rest of your day. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we say feel your feelings, we don't say feel your feelings because it makes you feel better. We say feel your feelings so that you acknowledge your feelings you and then you don't feel the need to suppress your feelings and then when you don't feel the need to suppress your feelings you're less likely although that's not a conscious decision you're less likely to overeat or undereat or exercise or drink alcohol or have sex with your ex-boyfriend all of these things are ways that we might suppress the way that we feel so when we say cry crying is good it doesn't mean crying is good you're going to release all of your emotion and then you're going to feel great it just means you're going to sit with it and you're going to feel it and then you're going to, it's going to be much easier to move through it. The, uh, that idea of what we resist persists is really important here. And the more that you try and push something down, the longer it's going to last and the more impact it's going to have on you um, short term and long term. So I said to this person, she did the perfect thing. She cried, she felt it, she self-soothed by lying in a, a ball on the floor and I have the fetal position when I do that like that's self-soothing and that's awesome and she felt it and I don't think that there's anything different to do there yeah um is it my go is it my go my turn (laughs) um okay so training related I recently saw an influencer with an amazing body like the best glutes ever say that to minimize thigh quad growth she uses lighter weights to isolate her glutes not lightweights but not like going for pbs every time if you know what i mean as someone who has stronger larger glutes and comparatively smaller sorry stronger larger quads and comparatively smaller glutes is this a legitimate practice would i benefit from squatting thrusting lower rather than striving to go as heavy as possible never heard of that no, it's because it's also because it's not it's not accurate. Um, that'd be why. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. Like, like this is where you get to the point, Steph, where you know everything that's real. So if you don't know it, it means it's it's most likely not real. Sometimes I'm just self doubting myself. You know, <laughs> an imposter syndrome right there. Imposter syndrome. Um, yeah, th- there's no. No, so what's happening there is kind of coming back to what we were saying. I was just saying about muscle adaptation is that by going relatively lighter, you're just stimulating the muscle for hypertrophy in a different way. And that's why often when I program, I'll do 
if I, most of my clients have a focus on glutes and so there will be a lot of volume in there and some of it will be higher reps some of it will be higher reps with lighter weights and some of it will be heavier with lower weights because of the different stimuli to muscle adaptation but going lighter what is it was it going lighter on quads or going lighter on glutes yeah going lighter on quads and going heavier on glutes no I'm still trying to figure out the logic behind that would be oh the logic heavy, heavy oh. weights make muscle grow surely okay. that's <laughs> I guess the logic is that there, she doesn't want her quads to grow and if you don't want your quads to grow then that's absolutely fine don't go to failure with quads and and that's fine so if I mean there's logic there in that you go lighter weight on your quads because you don't want them to grow anymore and I suppose relatively speaking your glutes as they grow will look bigger if you've got smaller legs but we have to remember that all of our muscles are connected and our insertion yeah. points and stuff are all over. I was about to say if you're going to build your glutes you're going to essentially build your legs so exactly. you kind of got to get over that slightly. Exactly and and also for your posture and for your health and longevity you see this a lot with, and I say this as somebody they definitely used to do this. You you see people just kind of skip out certain muscle groups because they don't want them to get big, and it's like, well, that's fine. But what happens when you start to get a hunchback, or what happens when you like you actually start to lose muscle in that area, and it triggers imbalances or anything else? You can't just say, well, I just don't, I just don't want that to to grow anymore, so I'm just not going to train it. But you absolutely can reduce the load, and as long as you're as long as you're slowly progressing that weight over time, so you're still working at the same RPE or reps in reserve, so that you're not just kind of staying at the exact same weight and then the relative intensity is just going to go down and down over time as you get stronger, of course. As long as you slowly increase that, that's absolutely fine to do. Um, I've never really had many clients that I have, I've done that with. I do that myself with my upper body, to be fair, with my back. I don't train it. I only do like minimal sets. But that's just me so uh, maybe that's what she means and I think as well it's important to remember obviously this was on Instagram and we've spoken before how like well you said yourself how um <laughs> no offense your glutes hold more fat and like it's just how how the fat is distributed um so she, her glutes might look absolutely amazing but the actual muscle growth might not be what you expect uh, yeah that's absolutely true i had, had that discussion with someone today who said how do i get an arse like yours and i was like genuinely weight training for a long time i'm 34 but also you if you genetically store fat there then you're all like you're already towards that way my arse is fat not fat i don't you know what i mean i'm not saying i'm fat but i know what I, you mean i've got a lot of body fat on my arse I don't post photos and videos of me wiggling and jiggling because I don't agree with that the, that whole idea anyway. Um, but I think you're totally right. It's so easy to look at a static picture and be like, she's got a giant arse. And it's like, she's also probably got a bit of a fatter arse. And that's okay. Like, I'm here for that. It makes better for twerking, right? So I need to see this in action. No, nobody, <laughs> about this. nobody needs to see this in action. So you can twerk or you can't twerk? So I learned how to do it. My friend taught me how to do it. And then I got quite good at it. And then 
I got crappy at, at, again. So, and she's now in Australia, so she can't teach me anymore. But she just kept telling me, flick the fat. So I just need to practice, I think. That was it. That was what I needed to do. I'm going to flick the fat. I want to practice now. I'm going to flick do the fat. that homework. Yeah. I feel like you should be able to do it. You should be able to do it. A lot of pressure. People have said you should be able to do that. And I, I feel that, yeah, maybe I should learn how to so I can say yeah I can <laughs> yeah definitely I feel like out of all of us no offense to anyone else in the coaching <laughs> team you have the potential to be able to do this okay got it that's a task <laughs> um my question okay um I struggle when my ASDA shopping is delivered and I'll open food and eat it as I'm putting it away what strategies could I think about to help me have a snack beforehand so you're not hungry or preoccupied thinking about the food yeah yeah if you can arrange your delivery after dinner or something or after lunch at a different time of day just for now we've just started together so we're going to work on this and I know that over time that this will dissipate um but we have just started so that's a good option to start off with um you could do something like like make a cup of tea before it arrives and so drink your tea whilst you're putting stuff away I think again like any time that you overeat identify why you're doing it is it a habit just because you've got asda or is it um because you're you are a bit hungry or is it something else is it emotion is it because you don't have those foods the rest of the time because you eat them all when you first get your shopping delivered and then you don't have them for the rest of the week so think about actually why you're doing it as well Um, but that will come with time as we get more mindful. Anna, Anna's just pulling the, the best way that I've seen. Sorry, it wouldn't scroll, so I couldn't get the questions up. <laughs> so pretty, I know. Um, any tips for getting yourself out of a rut of ongoing low mood? I, sorry, I'm, I notice in the summer, I'm definitely my better self, maybe like because it's warmer, nicer weather. But I, I've realised if I get up early and go for my walk straight away, that has such an impact on me and my mood for the rest of the day. So I've actually implemented it with a few of my clients and it's also had a really positive effect on them and their mood. Like I remember putting it in place with somebody when they had a really like challenging week um, and we just implemented that, you know, get up, get out, you know, have that alone time almost. But yeah, that's just something that comes to mind straight away. Yeah, that's such a good idea. If you can fit that in for sure, or if you can make time, just get make time. Earlier. Yeah. 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 Setting intentions in the morning can be really helpful and powerful. And just kind of sit with that for a minute or a couple of minutes and, and go through like, what is your intention for the day? What, and that could be anything that you want, but actually making the time to do that um if it's persistent low mood to the point where it's really impacting your life then and you feel or you potentially feel apathetic then that's something to potentially look at in, with your doctor and that's more of the extreme case but it's just something to to be mindful of if it's extremely life um Im impact your life um think about what brings you enjoyment and joy and love and connection and all of the things that we live for if we think about our basic human needs those are these those are basic human needs and if they're not being met 
they're going to result in feelings of low self-worth, low, low mood, um, potentially disordered eating habits, low body image, all these things. So look at like, where is your joy and where is your passion and where, who do, do you feel connected to yourself or to other people? And if you don't know where that is, especially if you, it's because you feel like a low mood, then start looking at that. I had this discussion with my clients recently, actually, because I said, like, let's set some goals outside of training and diet. And she said, I just can't think of any. And I said, that's why we're doing this, because it's so important that you have not quantitative goals, but just things that you absolutely love doing in life. And it's been obviously really hard. I also think still coming out of lockdown, it's still a bit, it's not normal life, is it? So we've got issues with just being like finding our, our greatest joys. But even if your greatest joy is getting a Domino's pizza on a Friday night and watching trash TV, that's absolutely okay. But look at your kind of short-term jobs, look at your passions and where you want to be. And sometimes, so I I was listening to a psychology podcast and they were talking about um, the contributors to depression. And one of the main contributors to depression in men is a lack of purpose. And one of the main contributors to depression in women has been a lack of being needed. And so I'm not saying that this person has is, is managing depression, but look at that and look at, again, that kind of comes down to connection and purpose and and that side of things. So look at all those things. Denaya was telling me about this satisfaction wheel. Like, I know we talk about our inner world, but she was saying about like, if you kind of, you know, in terms of like relationship, money, whatever it might be, like kind of rate yourself in like how you, satisfied you feel in that area. That's probably quite reflective um, to look at, I guess. Yeah, for sure. That's such a good idea. Great idea. Um, okay. Why is my, this is not actually true anymore, but we're going to go with the question anyway. Why is my period so absent when recovering from HA? Why can't she just return and get back into the rhythm? So background to this was um, before this person started working with me, she had dieted and developed HA. And then when she started working with me um, recently, it had to come back, but it's been sporadic basically since it came back. Um, and I think it's back now, so that's, that's great. But to be honest, I think we just you just have to accept when you're recovering from HA that it's it's not going to be consistent for a while. It's why we recommend tracking your cycle with um, natural cycles or Clue so that you can see if you're ovulating. You can track if your phases are regular or not, if your follicular and your luteal phase are regular. So you can see kind of what's going on. That gives you much more insight because otherwise you're just kind of, it's just a guessing game. Um and if you start to diet again, for a lot of people, it can trigger off. And you see this a lot with people with HA. Something that's really interesting, one of my clients who worked so hard to get her period back and she maintained that her period back and her body weight for quite a, quite a long time. And then she said, right, I want to try and just drop a little bit of the body fat that I'd gained to get my period back. And that's fine. So it'd been, it was really regular. Everything was fine. And she started dieting and really quite soon after her period she lost her period again so we stopped dying of course and came back to quote, quote normality and everything was fine but she was saying that actually how triggering she finds some of the messaging on HA on Instagram because it's like these people who share their their stories about going all in or getting their period back and then just normalizing at their like um 
settling range or at this kind of quote-unquote lean body and for so many people that's not what happens for so many people when they recover from HA when they start to diet again it can be a trigger and it can just knock things off straight away and and I don't know what sets the difference between someone who can maintain their period or somebody who's who's period goes off straight away I don't know the physiological like background to that I don't know if it's related to body fat levels I don't think it is it's probably more of a genetic component um but I thought it was really interesting because she is really self-aware and is really values her health so she did a lot of kind of inner reflection on this and she unfollowed a lot of accounts and she said these pages are great to help you get your period back but once you've got them back they can be really toxic because you think that you have to then go back to this point and it's not possible for it, but it's not ideal for a lot of people, at least at that time. That's kind of a side note. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, I don't personally follow any like accounts like that, but yeah, mm. if that's had that effect, and yeah, that is... yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame because mm. I think these pages can be really helpful. But yeah, uh, one of my clients that's working hard to get her cycle back um, sent me an account. Uh, another coach who's dieted her client um, uh, sorry worked with her with the client to get her cycle back and with a month of her cycle returning she's dieting her no yeah and you know when you're just like this is not promoting any sort of health at all and like you said it's just reinforcing that that message isn't it oh my god that's so bad that's so bad. So for reference, for anyone who's recovering from their period, I would say six months of a regular period before you want to diet, at least if you then want to diet, that's, you know, look at your reasons why. If you're in a healthy BMI range, look at your reasons why. If you've, if you've maybe gone a bit beyond that, then then that might be right. Well, I just want to get into that healthy range. That's fine. Although BMI has its flaws, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to go into that today. Um, that's really awful. That was infuriating, actually. I'm upset that you didn't send me this so that I knew who it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, I've, I've saved the post and I keep going back to like rewriting a message to her. And then I'm like, I don't know, I can't say that. And I'll come back to it when I'm feeling less angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, smart. very smart. God, crazy. Um, okay, your question, Anna. Um, okay. Yeah, I have unmuted myself. Always good. <laughs> Do you think overwhelm is something you can get to grips with? Get to grips with in the sense of you can you can stop feeling it so often. Yes. Get to grips with in the sense of you learn to live with it. Not so much. Overwhelm is not a feeling that you want to learn necessarily to live with. You just get better at at radical acceptance accepting what you can change um, letting go of what you can't change a lot of that helps with overwhelm I used to be someone that got so overwhelmed beyond belief I would cry and and feel like I was going to vomit because I was so stressed out and thought that I would never get anything done and sometimes I think saying to yourself like it always gets done we were talking about this the other day weren't we Anna because we were talking about work and things and ultimately you've done it before you always have mm-hmm. done it before and you have to get to the point where you go I'm going to get it done because I always do and I, I have that discussion with my friend all the time when we say oh we've got this to do and this to do and it's like yeah well it'll be done because you've got it 
do you think it's a level of like almost life experience as well because I was the same I still am to a degree I am a bit of a stress head but at the same time I'm someone that does get it done so I think that's actually a really good point just like remind yourself you always do but yeah. I think as well a bit like relationship with food and body image whatever it might be I think people have this false sort of narrative of like once I sort that out then that's sorted forever and it's not always the case it's like you know you, you kind of learn to live and have the tools to kind of so you don't act impulsively and you know go into those those damaging behaviors but I think you know learning to like you say accept and just sit with it but reassure yourself and self-validate instead of external validation yeah I like that <laughs> I like that um I think you're right to it to be fair I think a lot of it is age I, I, honestly when you try and get into your 30s <laughs> I'm like whoa 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 no 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 <laughs> <laughs> I am accepted <laughs> okay fine fine um but yeah okay fine I find that as I've got older but then also as I've got older I've become more mindful and I've become more compassionate and yeah all of that stuff so you can't you never really know so I don't know actually I take it back. I'm sorry. <laughs> All is forgiven. All is forgiven. Thanks. Um, let's do one more question, I think, and then we can stop. Um, okay, light question. Have you ever tried roasting your sorin for adding butter and eating? If you haven't, you should. It's a definite game changer. Have you? Roasting? Toasting well, well, or roasting? Well, it says roasting, but I'm assuming she means toasting. I've to- yeah, I've done that. Do you like it? Yeah, yeah. I quite like the goo. I like the gooiness of soaring. Toasted. Anywhere, any ha- anywhere you can have it, I'm down. Toasted and just like a quick zap in the microwave so it's warm at- warmer and gooey. Uh, mm. That is a good shout. Well, do you know what? I might have it before <laughs> I drive. Okay, noted. Thanks. do it you will not regret <laughs> thanks guys um thanks for all of your questions keep them coming sorry if you can hear the birds outside um and if we haven't done your question then we'll do it next week thank you everybody bye thank you thank you bye bye